Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Man, I'm really digging this song. This is the new, new Beatles song. If you haven't heard it yet, it's called Now and Then. There's a lot of talk about how it's AI. Get past the AI talk. This isn't an AI-generated song. They just use technology to pull out John Lennon's vocals in ways that they haven't been able to do in the past because they were very muddy in the recording that he gave to Paul McCartney. I I guess he didn't directly give it, but Yoko Ono found the tape, and apparently it was marked for Paul. So he was intending to give it to Paul and did, and the story goes that they made... Three songs. They tried to make three songs back in 1996 when they did the anthology. One of them was Real Love, and the other one was Free as a Bird. And you heard those back in the 90s, but they weren't able to use this one until now when the technology was better. That's how that works. I, I love the song. I'm really surprised. Usually the stuff that's left over is left over for a reason, and it's because it wasn't very good. Like the, the deleted scenes and stuff, it's like, oh, it's kind of fun, but... It wasn't good. It was left out because it wasn't good, you know? And this one, I think, kind of bucks that trend. I I really think this was a pretty good song, and they just weren't able to use it because it wasn't a great recording that they're able to do now. But if if you won't tell my dad, I'm going to tell you that I got this CD for him for Christmas. I don't even know if people are using CDs much anymore. I still do. I think he still does. And my hope is that that's a cool gift because I don't know that he has heard the song and he's the guy who introduced me to the Beatles. So I feel good about that being a Christmas gift. I went this week and took my kids, well, two of my three anyway, because one of them had volleyball, but two of my three kids on the Polar Express down at uh, Union Station. That's a pretty neat experience. I, I, I've done it only one time before and my kids were a lot younger. Well, now they're older and my six-year-old he was so little that he didn't remember it. So when he when he was told, oh, yeah, we're going to do on the Polar Express and it goes to the North Pole, he's old enough to get that that quick. There's something not quite right in there. Like, how do we get to the North Pole from here? But not old enough to know which questions to ask. So basically, we got on the Polar Express on Wednesday and my six-year-old, we started going and then we're going. And he goes is this as fast as it goes? And I'm like, well, yeah. Because, I mean, it's going like 10 miles an hour, you know. And he goes, I, th- I thought I thought this was going to be a lot faster. So he, he assumed that because we had to travel such a distance, that this was going to be like an absolute bullet train to the North Pole. <laughs> had to tell him, well, no, but, hey, we got hot chocolate and cookies, right? And that was enough. That was enough. All right. Again, 
love this Beatles song. I'd love to know what you think about the new Beatles song now and then. Take a short break here. We'll be right back with Old Roy. We're going to talk about Tucker Carlson for vice president. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Let's talk about Trump's vice president and who you think it will be. Old Roy back in studio. As I mentioned, we were going to do this. Um, I'm going to read a headline to you, Roy. Okay. And number of places we can go with it. Let's start with what the surface issue is, and then we'll dig in a little bit. It says MAGA throws its weight behind Tucker Carlson for VP. Mm-hmm. This this story kind of broke last week, uh, but it's been percolating now a little bit because apparently MAGA has thrown its weight behind Tucker Carlson. It wasn't just a suggestion. It all comes from this quote from. Have you seen this? You're familiar. I, you acted I, like you did. Yeah, I've seen the the talk of it out there. Yeah, so I don't know where it originated. It, here's where it originated. Here's what's funny, is um, somebody was doing an interview with Trump and they they said, "What about Tucker Carlson for vice president?" And Trump, like he does, goes, "I like Tucker a lot. I guess I would." <laughs> and then he goes, "I think I'd say I would because he's got great common sense." And so that's the quote. Everything concerning this topic has filtered from that quote, which clearly is just a throwaway yeah. comment. And he hasn't been thinking about Tucker Carlson for vice president. But people grab it. They write stories about it. Other people write stories about those stories. And now here we are talking about it. And the reason I brought it up is because this is the way it happens. Right. Is somebody just little bitty pin out there and then it just goes, vroom, you know. And so here we are kind of like setting the record straight in a way. But I did want to ask you kind of the overall question of who do you think is going to be his vice president? Is it any of the major candidates right now? I mean, what do you think is going to happen just in general? Do you think he's going to be the candidate? I should probably start with that. I Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Okay. Um, the Again, one of the, the great things about Trump is that all the conventional wisdom goes out the window. So you can do all of the analysis. Oh, well... You know, traditionally, if you need a certain demographic, you go after or you need the you need this state. So you're going to get a guy from that state Mm -hmm. to be your VP. Well, that none of those old playbook things apply to Trump in any way. 
Um, because I don't think he cares. He doesn't need to get a. I need to get a a female, whatever whatever check boxes you want. He doesn't need that for popularity. So and he's pretty clear about what his agenda is. So he doesn't need to trick people. Well, I got somebody. I got this old senator from from. Uh, Connecticut, who's got foreign policy experience to boost my, you know, yeah, none of that stuff applies, especially not this time around, right? You know exactly what you're. I mean, exactly what you're getting with President Trump because you just had President Trump, right? There's no speculation. So no, you're right. So I think it's fun to see who he would pick. I think, I think the Tucker thing's an interesting idea because anybody else that he would pick from the political realm has the potential i think from from the voters perspective to be a part of the establishment or fall back into that once trump's second term is done and so you get another outsider and someone who's who's similar to trump much more refined and probably academically at least more capable of of debating <clears throat> from an intellectual standpoint, um, somebody like like Tucker fits that perfectly, and he's definitely an outsider from from the Republican establishment. So I I think it's really interesting. I think it would be seems like you're on board with it. Yeah, yeah. I think there are three things he's looking for in a vice president. One of them is <clears throat> capability of handling the media like he can in a way. All that doesn't have to be exactly the way he does. Mm-hmm. Two is loyalty, and maybe that should be first, actually, because right. that's always number one with him. And then third is where they stand on the abortion issue. I think that is very important to him because I think he sees that as a bellwether for 2024 and not in the Republicans' favor. Mm. And I think that's why he appears if not wishy-washy, just not committed to really taking a stand on that issue. Because, again, he can take a stand on the fact that he's like, who appointed the Supreme Court justices that overturned that? Right. And just point scoreboard and go, I'm done. Yeah. Like, you you trust me now? Yes, I Okay, you do? Okay, good. We're good. And I I think he's going to say, I'm not in that issue anymore. I did what I said I was going to do, and now it's a state's issue, and I am not involved. Yeah. That's what he already is doing, and I think he needs and wants a vice president who is positioned that way, um, at least in the minds of voters, which is why I thought for a long time that he was going to pick Nikki Haley. Hmm. Not that she's soft on abortion or anything, but she's positioned as a moderate, probably because she's a woman, and she talks about, well, it needs to be a woman-first approach. Okay, great, you know, like... We all agree. Yeah. No, nobody disagrees with that, but um, but she's got that image. However, he at campaign rallies been calling her bird brain and stupid stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, I I think honestly, number two on that list, loyalty is going to outweigh number three on that list mm-hmm. for her because she has not been hard on Trump during the campaign, and I thought maybe the reason for that was well. They've because they have had meetings before she ran. They had a private meeting, and I thought, well, maybe this was about the possibility of her joining the cabinet or VP. Uh, but that seems to have turned 
as she has risen in the polls. <laughs> like, he, he just knocks anybody down who's even coming close. And they're not even, DeSantis no. and Haley aren't even close. No. But he just saws them off at the knees before they can get close. And I, I think she's going to end up being a casualty of that. It's possible. I mean, I could see Trump very easily take a lot of these people that today he could be bashing them and give them cabinet positions once he's in. <clears throat> I, I it's wonder. Not, it's not personal for him. I mean, he, the way he talks, the kind of little bullying and, and name calling kind of makes it sound like, well, you hurt his feelings. But it's all gamesmanship for him. And, you know, he'll... He may cut your knees off today, but if he sees a benefit to partnering with them on some other issue or putting them in a position, keep your enemies closer, yeah. um, I could see him doing that very, very easily. I would have thought maybe it would be uh, Christy Noam, too, from South Dakota, but she has had some personal controversy. Do you know this? No. Uh, she, there, there have been a lot of people and there's been articles written about this and I read many of them just to make sure that I knew what I was looking at, not, not internet rumor. Um, but that said that she's been having an affair a long t- for a long time and her husband knows it and it's the kind of thing that it hasn't exploded yet. It's something that politicos are aware of, but the public isn't. And the minute she gets that spotlight, yeah, it's all going to become about that stuff, and the people that are being discussed are people that you know their names. So <clears throat> uh, I, I I won't go into it any more than that. But to say that the minute this thing would turn to her, well, then the discussions about her affair. Yeah, I, I, don't, which, I just don't think again that is why going with someone who's not a politician, because yeah. politicians seem for some reason to do a lot of really stupid stuff, even though their whole purpose in life is to be a public figure. They yeah, don't have yeah. any self-awareness. Oh, I completely agree. And especially <clears throat> with her, I'm like, you are a rising star. This, all this personal stuff happened while she was a rising star. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Eric Greitens, mm-hmm. like the, the affair stuff with him. He was a rising star. And you can't, you can't just curtail these impulses for your own good. Like, it's not even for the good of the, the public or the America. This is for your own good. You can't even stop well, yourself. You have to re- realize, I think, that to be an effective politician, you you have to be a narcissist. And to some level, and a bit of a sociopath, I think. Like Mike Pence. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just, no, I'm it, just naming somebody who doesn't seem to have any of those qualities, but he also isn't like a super successful politician. Right. <laughs> I so guess he was the vice president. That's if, pretty successful. If you have that, those characteristics that are going to make you good at politics, you're bound to think you're untouchable to yeah. a certain degree. And I think that is probably why a lot of politicians get themselves into these situations because they... They think yeah, they're, they think they're untouchable. Yeah, they're probably living in a little bit of a bubble with the people around them. They're the center of of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is kind of revolving around them, and so I can do anything because I have all this shield around me. Right. So you just have to know if you're a politician. Like there are rabid dogs waiting at the door to get you, no matter who you are, right. no matter what you stand for or who you are. There's somebody waiting at the door to tear into you. I want to go back just before we get to the end of this segment. 
kind of wind right back around, circle back to the original headline here, which is MAGA throws its weight behind Tucker Carlson for VP. Mm-hmm. Really quickly here, the reason that I, I brought that up is not just because it's interesting to talk about vice presidents and, hey, is Tucker Carlson involved in that conversation, which I still don't think he is. I think that's a, just a flippant comment. But the way Trump works is he may say a flippant comment, gets a lot of traction, and he goes, eh, maybe I should think about it. Right. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the way he does things. But this article comes from Newsweek. This kind of stuff drives me personally crazy because I consider myself a America First conservative. I don't know if you would call me MAGA or whatever, but I'm definitely in the Trump camp going into uh, 24. Mm-hmm. So I think from the outside looking in, somebody would look at me and go, that guy's MAGA. Okay, fine. I don't care. Whatever. But I have no opinion on Tucker Carlson. I've never weighed in on Tucker Carlson. There is no central MAGA authority that's out there on the internet. I mean, I guess on Truth Social, it would be Trump. But Trump's not on Twitter, mm-hmm. and Trump's not involved in, like, MAGA conversation. He's just the candidate. And he's not thro- he isn't throwing his weight behind Tucker Carlson. Who the hell are these people talking about? Who is MAGA? And who is, like, this... Li- it To me, it in- indicates that there is a Democrat authority, and this would be the media in this case, that looks at these organizations with it, like Patriot Front and whoever, and be like, well, these people drive the conversation, and these people do not speak for me at all. In conservative world, we consider ourselves much more independent and individual. Is this a symptom, Roy? <laughs> Big question right here at the end. Is this a symptom of Democrats projecting their sort of top-down governments onto conservatives who have a much more bottom-up con- uh, philosophy of government and saying, well, we're trying to find what we know to be true in our side on their side. That's 100% accurate, <clears throat> in my opinion. I think that that's the thing that the left and the independents and everybody else just has never figured out. The the issue with they they want it to be oh Trump is this this evil godlike figure godlike dictator and everybody's just following him. What they don't understand is the vast majority of us, I think, on the conservative side who are supporting Trump are not blindly following Trump. It's what Trump stands for. It's it's this this anti establishment. Uh, mentality and that we we're fed up with politics as usual and so we're not even in the same playing field as the critics are who want who want to apply this blanket MAGA thing to anybody who's talks about Trump in a positive way and they don't realize that it it's it's a blurry line a little bit because yes it's Trump because Trump is the way he is but it's it's what Trump is doing what he stands for which is what the those of us who are bottom up people mm-hmm. are are intrigued by and in favor of and disrupting the system and it could be anybody it just happens to be Trump you know what I, I didn't I wanted to cut there and say okay great let's let's wrap but you made me think of something Steve Martin. 
on Twitter. And I do think it was the re- – I looked as far as I could tell. The blue checks are all gone, so you can't verify as easy as it used to be. But as far as I could tell, this is Steve Martin. People were responding to him as Steve Martin that you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I think this is his Twitter account, 95% sure. He put out this long reasons why you shouldn't vote for Trump coming up. And they were all about he doesn't care about you. He's using you. He's going to pat you on the head. He's not going to pat you on the back once you vote for him. He's going to turn on you. And it was like, what What are you talking about? Right. What do, you, do you think that people are looking for a dog bone from him yeah. like personally? Because that's the way he approached it. And I didn't ever even connect that with what you just said until we just did this. Mm-hmm. That that is very much the liberal mindset or the leftist mindset is <clears throat> you are following after somebody because that's what I do. Right. I really do believe that. And that is and it's it's a completely different philosophy of life, which is why it translates into these political issues. But you almost got to go back to the root and say, "Well, why do you think that I just blindly follow right people <laughs> or do you, are you just lazy and you're just casting that net because it's easy?" That's also very possible. They just don't get it. Yeah. All right. Now we can wrap and we will be right back. Uh, like I said, we have some great guests ahead still. Um, the Pacific Legal Authority, so he's the director of legal policy at Pacific Legal, Daniel Dew, is on the We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Show coming up next here on Wiggins America. Well, joining Wiggins America this weekend is Daniel Dew. And the reason that I wanted to have him on, he's the director of legal policy at Pacific Legal, is A, I love Pacific Legal. I have guests on from Pacific Legal as often as I can because you guys are doing great work. But second is because of your op-ed, Daniel, for American Habits, how unelected bureaucrats undermine the people's representatives. Daniel, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about this from kind of the broad overview. <clears throat> if you are approaching this issue, I think a lot of our listeners are probably already there. But if you're just kind of learning about how the state or the deep state, or as Tucker Carlson calls it, unelected Washington or permanent Washington uh, runs things, please give just kind of an overview of what this means. Yeah, absolutely. So we have elected officials, our our representatives, whether at the state or federal level, those are the constitutional policymaking bodies for the state or or for the nation. And they go in on campaign promises and they want to do these great reforms because like everyone else, they see the problems um, that, that government has. But then when they go to make those changes, they run into bureaucrats who serve in agencies. They're not elected by anyone. And they've been there for 20 and 30 years. And they start to just, they kill things by a thousand, it's death by a thousand cuts. They start asking questions that are pointed in ways to kill the reform that they want to do. Or they'll say it costs too much money, or it's just impossible to do. And so these people who government officials trust as experts really have their own separate agenda to kill 
the will of the people and, and the elected officials who are supposed to set policy. And the big issue with those people is not just that they're there and, you know, <laughs> there's no term limit on those people for the most part, uh, but that they have no connection to voters. They were never elected, but they have all this power. Absolutely. They're, they never, ever have to face a single voter ever. Um, a lot of times they don't have they're not even reporting to somebody who ever faces a voter. And, you know, in, and they get to be there while the elected officials a lot of times do have term limits. They're there for four years or eight years or whatever the time may be. They're there forever. And so they just have to wait wait those elected officials out or wait until they go out of session and then they can do whatever they want. So Daniel Dew is director of legal policy at Pacific Legal. So I mentioned your op-ed and some of the questions that, you know, digging down now that we kind of have the, the foundation laid for what we're talking about here, digging down some of these questions I was interested in because I've heard about this in terms of Washington, D.C., the federal government. You don't hear about it as much in state legislatures, but you're saying it's happening there, too. In what way? Absolutely. So I can I can even give you some specific examples in Texas. You know, we think of Texas as this bastion of freedom, super conservative Um, in Texas. There was a bill that was being run there that basically just said agencies just there was actually a law in 1993. So 30 years, it's been the law that agencies have to review their regulations to make sure that they're up to date. And so uh, a legislator ran a bill that just said, you know, if you don't post your results of your of reviewing these regulations, then the regulations void. The night before the hearing, the agencies came back with a forty six million dollar fiscal note saying that they're going to have to hire a whole bunch of, of people, because even though that's been the law for 30 years, they've never actually done it. And so they're just undermining even even when laws go into effect. They undermine the law because they don't have to face anybody. They, they, there's, no, there's no consequences for them not following the law. So this sounds like, Daniel, a real power struggle that's happening even at more local levels. And you mentioned Texas. I mean, that's, that's a conservative state. This isn't a state that is fine with just kind of letting bygones be bygones. Uh, this sounds like a push and pull and and somebody's got to win. Like, how, how does somebody come out, hopefully, how does the legislature come out the winner in these things? Yeah, we just, we just need to embolden our legislature. We need, we need to, to do a better job of educating legislators when they go in that they need to be bold, that they need to stand up, and that they are the constitutional policymaking bodies of, of the states and they need to do what they need to do, regardless of what they're being told by these unelected bureaucrats who, who pretend to be their friends, but really they're trying to undermine uh, what they're doing and they have their own agenda. Is this, Daniel, something that's been going on in you know, all aspects of government for a long time, or is this getting a lot worse as time goes by? I mean, it's, it's been happening for, for a long time. Um, you know, the, the rise of the administra- administrative state didn't happen overnight. But every time we pass a law that, that has this great idea behind it, but it leaves the details to bureaucrats, we're empowering bureaucrats and taking power away from the people and from the, the elected officials that the people send to their state capitals. 
Daniel, I and we kind of started big and we're getting smaller here. That's kind of the intent, you know, we're digging down deeper. But is this something that I guess as we, you know, we say I elect my local official, my my local representative to go, and I live in Illinois, which is a terrible, terrible decision on my part. Um, but I, so I elect my local uh, representative to go off to Illinois to represent me, and he's a good guy or she's a good girl, whatever. She she's got good intentions. Uh, she gets there, and then she finds out that oh, all these good intentions are basically going to be like gum in the cogs. Nothing, <clears throat> nothing's going to happen because of all of these bureaucrats. But then, does she just get frustrated, and then nothing happens, or does she need a groundswell from just people like us? to actually make that change. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, has this been going on for long enough that it just needs people's attention more than anything? Yeah, it can be very disheartening. And that's why one of the things that we're really concerned about at Pacific Legal Foundation is more of the structural changes. Instead of playing whack-a-mole with bad laws and bad regulations, how do we change the system so that we empower the elected officials and, and take away power from from unelected bureaucrats. And it's simple things like, uh, you know, there's the Chevron deference case that's going up before uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Loper Bright is the name of the case. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of state uh, state courts have adopted that, where they just defer to unelected bureaucrats on the meaning of, of state laws and state regulations. There are things like legislative review, making sure that the legislature reviews all of these regulations either before they go into place or shortly after they've, they've been in place to make sure that they're effectively um, doing the will of, of the elected official and the will of the people. So there are a lot of structural things that can be done to, to undermine kind of this, this uh, you know, no better way to say it, but, the, you know, this deep state uh, that we see. Yeah, the swamp, the, all these names that we have for it now. I guess that's actually, as we close out here, that's kind of where I was trying to get that last bad question to you, which is that the the state legislatures and legislatures in general, the power is already with them. It's almost as if they just need to collectively put their foot down and say, no, we're taking this back because it's already legally in their court. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the Constitution is is on their side. Um, they've been slowly giving away their constitutional power over the last, you know, few decades. And but they can take it back at any time. As soon as they decide that they're going to pass a law and take away the power that they've delegated, you know, we can we can go back to uh, the constitutional separation of powers that that is the genius of the American system of government. And as usual, it's up to us as individuals to elect people and, and have their ear and tell them, hey, we're watching you. We want you to do this. And I'm sure they're, uh, for the most part, willing to do that because they're getting their power back. That seems like something they would want to do. Daniel Dew, Director of Legal Policy at Pacific Legal. How do people connect with you, with Pacific Legal, especially about this topic? Yeah, so... Our website has a ton of great information if you go to pacificlegal.org. And then we have, uh, we have sections on, on separation of powers, and we talk about the constitutional principles that, that would restore the separation of powers and how they can apply, be applied at the federal level and, and in each of our states. 
Well, Daniel, I thank you not only for your time, but all your work with Pacific Legal. And this work in particular, to me, is one of the most important things going on. You know, we, we use the, fir- the, the term save democracy pretty often, and it's as if this issue gets lost in that. You know, this, this to, to me, is like the number one way we can save democracy is by having accountability. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for your time. We will talk again soon. Pacific Legal, great organization. Highly recommend you look them up. We'll be right back with more Wiggins America. One of the greatest successes that Trump had in his four years in office was passing, I shouldn't say passing, but nominating and then getting appointed as many federal judges as possible. That was one of the priorities for Mitch McConnell and Trump. Too. I mean, it's one, one thing he campaigned on was the Supreme Court. And that, that one gets all the attention, as it should, because he got three judges in three in four years. That's an incredible, incredible track record. And now we have a lot of uh, things in American life that are a result of that in the positive. But I want to give you an update on how Biden is doing, because that had been a priority for them, too. And he's had the Senate for four years, just like Trump has. Although we're not quite through it. I'm going to give you an update on that in just a second. But before I do, I just want to remind you that you can get the Wiggins America podcast as of Monday morning at the latest, Sunday night usually. And go back and listen to the interview that I just did with the director of legal policy at Pacific Legal, Daniel Dew. Uh, that was a good interview, in my opinion, because it's a topic that needs more attention. It's not as if we don't talk about it at all, but the whole deep state thing, you know, I think we get caught in the terms deep state, swamp, all of that, but really it's just the unelected government. <clears throat> and he explained this at the beginning of the interview as well, but uh, just if you're tuning in right now and you didn't hear it, the unelected government is not just in Washington, it's in our state legislatures too. And we have just punted the football to these unelected bureaucracies for decades now. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And finally now there's a pushback on it. Well, part of that pushback is having those discussions. So get the podcast, listen to Director of Legal Policy, Pacific Legal, Daniel Dew. That was the last segment. Now, last hour, another very good interview, in my opinion, was with Consumer Energy Alliance President David Holt. And that one was good just because of how easy it would be to get back to American independence on energy and how much that would reduce inflation and costs and just all the ripple effects of it and really how easy it is. It's, it's really good. I, I kept telling him in the interview, you know, your problem is you're too practical. All this stuff is too practical and it's not red and blue. It's just easy stuff that a president could do that we all should agree is easy to do. Anyway, I'm telling you this so that you go get the podcast. It's good stuff. Now, to the judges. How's Biden doing? Well, here's some context for you. I don't want to just compare it to Trump here. Let's start with Ronald Reagan. He had eight years, so it's not a complete apples to apples, but he got 402 federal judges passed through uh, the Congress, Senate. H.W. Bush, George Bush Sr., got 197, almost 200. That's pretty good. Now, Clinton, with eight years, came back, and he got 387. That's a lot. It's not quite as much as Reagan, but that was a very productive eight years for the Democrats. Then George W. Bush comes into office. He gets eight years. He gets 340 judges. So this has been a priority for these administrations, even before there was a lot of fighting over this stuff. Because if you recall... 
You know, it wasn't until about the middle of W's term that this started to be a thing, and it really didn't even get bad until Obama's term. So Obama, with a Senate that only had, I think I think he only had two years, actually, when I'm thinking about it, I have to look this back up, two years of a full Democrat control of the Senate. And he still got 334 judges, federal judges appointed. Then comes Trump. Now, in two years, now, by the way, that, that shows you that during Obama's term, there was a lot of hype about conservatives and Republicans blocking his judges, but they still allowed a lot of them. I mean, that's still 334. That's almost the same as George W. Bush. That's just slightly under Clinton. So that's still a lot. It's more than Carter, by the way. We didn't even go back that far. Um, with Trump, though, they made it part of the campaign. And they made it front and center that they were going to push through as many judges as possible, conservative-minded, conservative, constitutional judges, I should say. Conservative isn't even the right word. Constitutional judges. And in four years, with full control of the Senate, he got 245 federal appointee, uh, uh, judges appointed. Now, I've been watching Biden do the same thing. And I thought at the very beginning, like in 2021... He hadn't moved very fast, but then in 2022, they moved extra fast and caught back up basically to pace with Trump. Now in 2023, if you'd like to know, Trump was at 245 total. Biden is at about 150, I think 154 as of this week, something like that. Now we still have a full year left of Biden's term and they still have the Senate. So these are apples to apples. Trump had four years and the full Senate. Biden is going to have four years and the full Senate. So will he catch back up to Trump? Well, he's got to make up uh, about 90 judges in the next year. So he's not right now on pace to do that. But the way they do it, they seem to do it in in floods. They seem to do it in in like big batches at, at a time. And so we may be going into a year where they do that a whole bunch and maybe they do catch back up. But I wanted to let you know where it's at that Biden has appointed quite a few judges, but he's had a little bit more difficult time, uh, maybe because of the 50-50 split. You know, you, you can't just do anything you want when you have Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema as two of your Democrat reliable senators, when one of them's not even a Democrat anymore and the other one is not running again and it looks like he's going to run for president, you know, you got to moderate that a little bit. So my my guess is that he will not eclipse Trump, um, but he will get close. So I just wanted to update you on that. It's something that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, but deserves attention because that really does shape so many American issues, especially with those federal court appointees. Well, this is the end of the show. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, get the full podcast usually by Monday morning, especially Sunday night. Uh, It is available, and I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. This has been a great show. A lot of good interviews, a lot of good discussion. As usual, just kidding. Some of the shows suck. This one's pretty good. (laughs) Get the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.